This is Orange Nation, brought to you by Charles Heating and Air Conditioning with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Welcome in to Orange Nation. Seth Goldberg, Darius Joshua with you here on this Monday afternoon. We're kind of between holidays. It's weird when the holidays are in the middle of the week like this, isn't it? It is. It throws off a lot of things. You don't know what day it is. You don't know what the day of week it is. You I really don't. Know don't. If it's, you don't know if it's still December or is it January yet. It's, it throws off a lot of things. I, I really don't. I came into work. I worked Friday last week. That was it. Yeah, yeah. It was weird. I think I saw a tweet last week that said that Thursday was the Mondiest Thursdays ever. <laughs> That's exactly how it felt last week. Yeah, and you're going to get that again this week. Yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah. But we're here before the holidays. We're off tomorrow. We're off on Wednesday. Uh, Steve and I are back on Thursday. I think Darius and I are back on Friday. We've got a lot going on this week. Uh, a lot of different places to go and a lot to talk about, quite frankly. Uh, today's going to be a loaded show. we got Roddy Jones coming up in about half an hour from the ACC Network. He was at Clemson, Ohio State. That game was awesome. Uh, we yes. will talk about that coming up a little bit later with Roddy and then, of course, afterwards. We've got to talk about the NFL and all the changes that were made uh, yesterday and today, including the Giants firing Pat Shermer. We'll get to that in a little bit. Tristan Jackson is not on the Syracuse football team anymore. We will talk about that coming up uh, in a little bit. You know, Darius, there's so much going on. That might have to be Twitch only. That might have to be yeah. exclusively on Q Sports yeah. Talk today. It was a big weekend uh, in the NFL, obviously, between playoff seating and, and obviously coaches getting fired today. And then obviously the college football playoff was pretty much amazing. And then the Syracuse basketball team started ACC play, so there is a lot going on, as you said. Yeah, so uh, let's start with Syracuse basketball, because, you know, it, it, we didn't do a show Friday, and, and I know you guys probably talked about this a, a little bit on Monday earlier in the week, but this team had three non-conference games here. They had the, the Oakland game, the North Florida game, the Niagara game. I put the North Florida game in a different category because that team just came in and shot 53-pointers, and they did exactly what they wanted to do, and that's why the game was close. So I put that in a different category off to the side. However, they didn't look particularly great against Oakland, and they didn't look particularly good, especially in the second half, in that game on Saturday against Niagara. And Niagara is the 312th worst team in the best team in the country, uh, according to the Ken Palm ratings. They are quite literally one of the 50 worst teams in the nation. Um, and you put up that performance. To me, that raises a lot of questions. Uh, you know, wa- watching what they did, watching who was doing what they did, uh, it, it leaves a lot more questions than answers, I, I think, at this point in the season. And I think a lot of it is the way that, that it happened uh, against Niagara, where the Purple Eagles were kind of dominating in the paint, if you will. They had a lot more points in the paint than Syracuse. That's obviously been an issue for Syracuse throughout the entire season. Oakland did that, especially against the Orange as well, where they won the rebound battle. North Florida won the rebound battle. Uh, this was only the sixth time all year that Syracuse actually won the rebound battle against an opponent. Obviously, we know their, their record when they do lose the rebound battle throughout the rest of this year. Oakland was the first time they won a game. North Florida, I think, was the second. So it's it's troubling that against a team like North Florida, or against a team like Niagara, rather, that had no size, really, to speak of. 6'6", I think, was their tallest player, and still... They were able to get inside the paint, get easy looks, and get easy buckets that, that kind of make this game closer than it needs to be. And then on the other side of it, Syracuse played very sloppily on offense. Where Coming off the North Florida game where they played maybe their best offensive performance next to Bucknell and Georgia Tech, where they had 22 assists and you know only four turnovers combined as a team. That's you know unheard of, and Jabeheim was lauding that, that accomplishment as well. And then they have 16 against Niagara on Saturday. That's just not the type of offensive performance you want to see 
from a team as you get ready for the tougher games on your schedule. Yeah, you mentioned the the points in the paint. Niagara scoring thirty two points in the paint, and and I mean, again with you know nobody bigger than six six, it's it's a problem. You know that that's something that that you cannot have happening. Scoring thirty points and a half against a team like Niagara is again just something that you can't afford to have happen. Um, if you are go if you are going to go and be a successful team. Now, if you're not, fine. You know, if 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 what this team is going to be is hovering right around five hundred all year, that's fine. And and that very well may be what they are. Uh, but given the, given the reaction earlier in the year when when somebody suggests, oh, this team isn't very good, or given the reaction earlier in the year when you watch them and say, hmm. That doesn't look quite like Syracuse basketball. Then I don't think that everybody's cool just settling for not very good hovering around 500. So to me, if you're not okay with this team not being very good or hovering around 500, then Saturday has to set off major alarm bells to you. Like I that that was my takeaway from Saturday's game is is that's got to set off some some big red flashing lights to you. For me, I think it's it's it's. It does. It, it does kind of raise a little, a little eyebrows. You get a little bit of the rock eyebrow looking at, at the team, going, "Huh, you know, interesting, interesting." And I think part of it is, is what I said earlier is that the way that Niagara was able to score their points, where this team obviously it, it seems they're going to have no answer for any team that has a big man with any kind of offensive skill at all uh, throughout the rest of this year. And, and you know, players like Garrison Brooks come to mind from UNC, where he's going to have a field day. Uh, inside the paint. Vernon and, Carey at Duke. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just players who are going to be able to kind of do whatever they want down low. And and part of this game, too, maybe makes me think is is if he approaches it like it's a tougher game and he's playing the guys normally, how, how he plays in their, their 30-plus minutes, you know, the guys like Joe Girard and even Elijah Hughes came out in the first half, maybe they keep a, a semblance of, of rhythm there because they were in total control of the game throughout, of it, throughout the game, even though it got closer than a lot of people wanted it to or expected it to. Um, so I think maybe maybe if he keeps the the, ga- the foot on the gas pedal, maybe the game kind of turns out the way you think. But well, at the but, same time, you know, a lot of those players who are the key on offense still had a lot of those turnovers. But too. see, it, that gets to a different interesting point with this game. That that gets to a very different thing about this that that is really important. These three games were supposed to be the games where you got yep. everybody else going. These these three games were supposed to be the games where Jesse Edwards and um, and Quincy Garrier and Howard Washington and Bryson Goodine really looked comfortable and really looked like they were uh, you know high level ACC players. And I don't know that any of them looked like that in these games. Now Jesse didn't play on Saturday, and I and I feel bad for Jesse in this regard because. He would have gotten a ton of minutes in that game. He would have played a whole lot. And maybe maybe a light, you know, maybe it really would have all clicked for Jesse had he gotten all of those minutes in Saturday's game. And maybe you look at him going into the ACC play a little bit differently, um, you know, a little bit more confidently had he played in that game and, and done some things that you like. But he didn't get that opportunity because he had turned his ankle. Uh, you know, Howard Washington didn't play in this game, again, because he was hurt. Uh, you know what? Quincy Garrier just wasn't, you know, wasn't good. Was good. Uh, Bry- Bryson Goodine, uh, how many layups did he miss? You know, so it's it's really a struggle to to look at this team and and say that the guys that they need um, are going to be in that position because I, I think Jim Beheim said this after the game: the starting five is 
you know, for the most part, doing what they need to do. Like, for the most part. You know, Elijah's been incredible. Uh, I think I think Marek's been really good, yeah. especially the last three weeks. Um, you know, Buddy's been pretty solid. Joe's, Joe's been up and down, but overall good. Um, like, the starting five, for the most part, is doing what you need. Those next guys aren't. And you are supposed to find that out in these three games, and I don't think we have. You're supposed to find that out, really, in the conference schedule overall, and, and we have not seen that. Bryson... Looked just as lost as he looked uh, a few weeks ago when the last time he played uh, for Syracuse. So that's not encouraging. Um, we coming into the year, we thought that this team was was so deep and and there's gonna be so many rotations. It's gonna have to really struggle to find minutes. And right now, it's looking like it's gonna be a little closer to a couple years ago, where where guys like Buddy Joe and Elijah are gonna be out there throughout the entire game for most of the most of the time. And Brahma and Marek, as long as they stay out of foul trouble, will be out there for a majority of the time as well. It seems like. Uh, just because Quincy has not been very consistent, has a lot of good showings, uh, obviously, and most recently against North Florida as well. He was kind of the spark that led them to that win, and then he, he did not play very well on, on Saturday against Niagara. So this is uh, a challenging uh, rotation he's going to have to, uh, Coach Beheim's going to have to put forward for the rest of the season where it doesn't look like he's going to be able to get consistent Prominent minutes from some of those bench guys, especially if Howard Washington's knee injury doesn't really heal up. Or no, if that's serious, if, if that you're continue, impro- yeah, if that you're continues to be what it is, where it looks like it's you know some swelling. He's hoping to get him back into practice this week, as Coach Bayham said, and obviously Jesse Edwards is going to need to be able to put some minutes in there as well. Uh, he's hoping to get him back in practice, is what Coach Bayham said as well. And then, and then also the other interesting two thing too as well, Robert Breswell, he mentioned that potentially they're thinking about redshirting him. Uh, yeah, he's that got, came out of nowhere. He's got chronic knee injuries apparently. And he can't really seem to get his legs under him and 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 uh, get out there consistently. He's I think he's three for three uh, though on the season. I think is that right? Yeah, uh, from three from, from three point range. I think from Sounds the field. I think right. those are the only shots he's taken. So um, at least he's got that. But he may not. Uh, we may we see what they decide in terms of uh, redshirting him or not. He is uh, four for nine from the field. Oh, okay. All four makes are three pointers. Well, that's nice. <laughs> that's good for him. So well, there you, you got you got that. Going that was the reason him. he would play is if he can hit the shot. Uh, <laughs> Uh, see how many rebounds he can get uh, in future playing time, but yeah, I, I mean, but that that also just kind of came out of nowhere, right? Like yeah. that that kind of um, just kind of happened. Like Jim Beheim just kind of came out and was like, "Oh, right, like Robert Braswell might be redshirting this year," and and you had to keep an eye on that because he's now played in in I believe seven of the games this year, and he can only play in thirty percent and still maintain that medical redshirt. So you're kind of creeping up on that number because if you um, You've got 31 games on your schedule, plus one in the ACC tournament. You are guaranteed one. So you've got 32 games. Uh, you can't bank on an, on an NCAA tournament run. You you probably can't even bank on an NIT run, like right, like run in at this point. So you've got to you've got to be very careful about that and how many games he plays. If in fact you are actually going to go redshirt him. Yeah, and then he's only playing in, in spot minutes anyway. So you you figure. If he is battling some injuries and, and health issues, why not? You know, give him a year to, to kind of sit back, get out of practice, and kind of literally kick your feet up and, and relax in that sense, and then come back next year hopefully uh, with that maintained and controlled, and then potentially have a lot more minutes for him to play as a as an older player in the in the system. Uh, so this is uh, the loss to 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 or the win rather over Niagara is. It's a good win. Obviously, you needed the win. You didn't get the non-conference wins you needed earlier in the schedule against Oklahoma State, the Penn States, and, and Iowa, and Georgetown as well. Uh, but it's it's not. It didn't answer as many questions as I think we all expected it to. This this three game run, especially no. overall, uh, it maybe raised more questions about what this team can be. Where um, if they're not getting any kind of push from the bench, how successful can they be? And then 
I'm, I think I've given up on on hope that they may you know stop somebody inside the paint. Uh, I don't know how many times I'll win the rebounding battle, but just to have some kind of paint defense uh, that that seems uh, unlikely as well. Yeah, it's it's just not going to happen at this point. Like I, yeah. I think that it's it's safe to say this team is what this team is. It's it, if if you have not seen it by now, you're not going to see it. And to your point, Darius, that last thing you said, I, I think is absolutely correct. Um, these three games where we were thinking, hey, maybe we get some answers after you know that five game stretch that was pretty tough. Um, I think that we're we're with uh, you know j- just as many questions as you had before. I, I think that you really. Uh, just kind of left scratching your head with this team because uh, they didn't look particularly good on on any of those you know any of those three games. No, no, that, North Florida, despite how North Florida shot the ball, really the numbers kind of kept them in that contest. I did like how the offense played overall in that game, especially late down the stretch, of being able to pull away. But against Oakland, they had a lot of success with their big man, and <laughs> Coach was not very happy with. Uh, the execution down low, and and that was the main thing he was talking about after the game, where they have to get some kind of, um, you know, defensive presence inside. And then against Niagara, they just turned the ball over so much and, and played really sloppy, and they they didn't make very good decisions. Maybe they knew they'd win by a comfortable margin, got a little sloppy, and 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 you know, tossed the ball around. Um, the one encouraging thing, or one of the encouraging things, obviously, is the way Elijah played, where he nearly had a triple double, did have the five turnovers, but. Uh, I'm not sure how he didn't get at least a double double. Had seven assists in the first half, but only finished with nine in the game. Uh, but but it was a very uh, efficient game for him and and uh, the kind of performance that you kind of need to see from him as as the season goes on. Barama obviously encouraging as well, but you like to see him do it against guys who are closer to his height, where he's getting ten points and thirteen rebounds. But uh, right, he things should to build do that. on. He should do that against those teams. Yeah, yeah, things to build on, but but not as encouraging as as one would probably hope it would be at this point. No, I, I agree with you. And and um, one note, because you mentioned it, uh, Elijah has been phenomenal yeah. this year. I mean, just incredible this year. And and there's no there's no real good way around it. He's been incredible for this team. And he's been exactly what they need. And, and quite frankly, as good as he's been, they might need a little bit more. Which, yeah, should have had another 20 points, but missed the front end of a free throw. So. <laughs> asking a lot to ask him for, for a little bit more, but they might need it. Let's take a time out here on the radio side. Uh, we're going to do a little Giants talk coming up next because I'm a Giants fan and I'm like losing my mind this morning. Couldn't so help me out. We gotta, we gotta do Dallas that. fans are upset with Giants fans. <laughs> we got to do that coming up in a little bit. But if you're watching on Twitch or if you're not watching on Twitch, go to Q Sports Talk on Twitch. Uh, we're going to talk about Tristan Jackson coming up here in the break. Want to want to figure out what's going on with that as he declared for the NFL draft last week. So we'll be back on Orange Nation in a moment. We continue on uh Twitch.tv slash talk right now. Last thing I'll say before I ask you about the Cowboys for just a moment. Um, I think Matt Rule is the guy. Like I, I think that like you just go and you you talk to him and that's it. Like I, I think it's that simple. I saw he's already said to his players that, yeah, I'm, I'm listening to the NFL, which I don't know if that's, I guess that's a good way to do it, to be up front with your players is the best way to do it. Obviously, Baylor had a pretty good year overall, um, and if I were him, I'd want to get away from Baylor as well. So it, uh, it would make sense. Uh, to, to listen to obviously the NFL and, if, and it looks like he he really turned Baylor into close to what they were you know prior to when you know, RG three was even there uh, in in his low in his short time already at the Baylor so Baylor's only had so many like winning years yeah uh, and, you and, know it's it's like obviously nobody talks about Art Bryles anymore because of everything that happened at the end there but uh, like before that they didn't win football games yeah and like they have with Matt Rule that says something I think. Yeah, yeah, he would be. Uh, it's a, it's the encouraging thing where you know guys are getting coaches out of college to 
sort of reset the team, kind of have a new offensive philosophy. I'm sure he could figure out something to do with Saquon Barkley and have success. Uh, Darius, I'm seeing something come across Twitter that I need to get your thoughts on. However, uh, I'm seeing that we have a Giants call on the line, so let's let's go to Dave in, in Syracuse first, Darius, and then I'll, I'll get to your thoughts. Dave, well, Dave, what's up? Hey guys, so yeah, just real quick on your on your Giants discussion. I, I guess this is what makes sports talk radio great. I couldn't disagree with you guys more. I actually think Gettleman's made some good choices in the draft, and I don't understand your your um, opinions on Daniel Jones. I mean, the kid's just a rookie. I did, I thought he did some really good things this year. Obviously, he's got to shore up on the ball protection, but I'd rather have a, a young quarterback that hangs on to it too long than one that is gun-shy and lets it go too early before the uh, the pattern comes out. So I, I think he's going to be real good. I like Slayton in the future for a receiver. I think he did some good things as a rookie. And what did Beckham do this year? I mean, he was a zero. I mean, he, a, he had a 1,000 receiving yards, Dave. Beckham did? Yeah. I mean, that team was a total colossal collapse, the Browns. And to, uh, I got you know what, I... I guess he did, but it, I just haven't heard his name at all. Maybe because they don't win. But, yeah, um, I, I mean that's possible. I, yeah, um, I just think he—he he was, a, you know, he was an affecting a member of the team too, and, and that's a guy that he's not going to help Cleveland win. As good as talented as he is, he's one of those guys that is going to cause disruption on a team rather than being a leader. And I don't mind getting rid of him if they could have gotten something better in between. But I don't think Gettleman's been—I don't think it's time for Gettleman to go yet. I think he's made some good draft choices and maybe the, the move to, to get rid of Shermer was the right one. Uh, that seemed early too, but as far as Jones goes, I think he's as good as any of those four quarterbacks from the previous year that were taken that were all um, thought to be so fabulous. Yeah, I think that the the draft class the year before looks uh, a lot worse in, in hindsight. You know, Josh Rosen obviously hasn't panned out. Um, I don't think Darnold took the steps forward that you would have hoped. Baker Mayfield took a step back, certainly. Um, you know, obviously Lamar Jackson's fantastic, and I think Josh Allen is, is good. Uh, but the the other, and, and Josh Allen probably hasn't even taken the steps forward that you would have hoped he did uh, in year two. But Dave, to your point, you mentioned Daniel Jones and, and Darius Slayton, and I love Darius Slayton, but it's like you had three first-round picks, and I think you missed on on at least two of the three of them. Yeah, obviously, as someone else named Darius, I also like Darius Slayton. He's <laughs> doing good things. I do enjoy saying his name in highlights. Uh, I would say, yes, you know, Daniel Jones is just a rookie, just his first year, uh, you know, playing the position in the NFL. You know, he's not he's not over for him after just one single season. Uh, but in terms of what they could have had and, and, and different draft choices and things like that, I think the Giants may have overreached, but maybe they'll, they'll, it'll work out. And Daniel Jones will be just okay and, and be good enough for them down the stretch as, as things develop. But I would think that he would still like to be thrown to Odell Beckham, is what I would think. You don't want okay with the sixth overall pick. Yes. Um, this comes from Mike Leslie, Darius. And uh, as a Cowboy fan, I'm sure you're, you're familiar with his work. He works at WFAA in mm. Dallas. He tweets, I'm told the entire Cowboys coaching staff has been fired. The entire staff. That is, I did not see that. I figured it was a Cowboys-related tweet when you mentioned that. Yeah. That is interesting. Um, wow. All right. Well, I guess everybody. I'll have to, I'll have to start Googling a lot of names from, from head coach to special teams coordinators to <laughs> yeah, you're, offensive you're line need... coaches. Uh, i got to see who's out there. Uh, I, I don't know who, who's left from Urban Meyer's staff at Ohio State. I don't know who, who else he would bring with him. But, uh, <laughs> what do you think? Lincoln Riley, uh, Urban? Uh, I would feel better about Lincoln Riley. I Jason would, Witten? I'd, I'd feel better about it. Um, <laughs> did you see that one I did today? see, yeah. I saw, uh, I think on, on ESPN's Get Up today, they were talking about Jason Witten taking over as head coach. 
I don't know about that one. Uh, I don't know about that one. Um, that would be quite a, a Jerry Jones esque move. A guy, another, another guy he likes, and that's why Jason Garrett was there for so long. And Jason Garrett is, is you know, is, is is a pretty good guy off the off the field, and just as a coach, he didn't reach the team to its potential. Um, but but it, it is interesting that uh, I'm surprised he got rid of everybody. But it, it, I think that always makes sense, though. When you bring in a new head coach, you want him to have people he likes, people he knows. And that way, it kind of puts everyone on the same page. And I assume the Giants will do that as well. Yes. Since they got rid of Pat Shermer, where yeah. everyone will be on the same page, and you start from the same point. And you're not having guys like, oh, well, well last can, year we did this. And, you yeah. can bring guys back, <laughs> but you don't want to make them bring guys back. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah, if, if he comes in, he's like, oh, you know, actually, I like what he from the outside. I liked what he did. Let's meet with him and you know, bring that that coordinator back. Bring guy. that. Yeah. yeah, that that would make sense as well. Yeah, certainly, it's a good point. Uh, let's take a time out here. We'll come back. we got today's business coming up next where we will get to uh, more of the coaching news, coaching carousel around the NFL next uh, here on Orange Nation. This is Orange Nation brought to you by Charles Heating and Air Conditioning with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Welcome in to Orange Nation. Seth Goldberg, Darius Joshua with you here on this Monday afternoon. We're kind of between holidays. It's weird when the holidays are in the middle of the week like this, isn't it? It is. It throws off a lot of things. You don't know what day it is. You don't know what the day of week it is. You I really don't. Know don't. If it's, you don't know if it's still December or is it January yet. It's, it throws off a lot of things. I, I really don't. I came into work. I worked Friday last week. That was it. Yeah, yeah. It was weird. I think I saw a tweet last week that said that Thursday was the Mondiest Thursdays ever. <laughs> That's exactly how it felt last week. Yeah, and you're going to get that again this week. Yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah. But we're here before the holidays. We're off tomorrow. We're off on Wednesday. Uh, Steve and I are back on Thursday. I think Darius and I are back on Friday. We've got a lot going on this week. Uh, a lot of different places to go and a lot to talk about, quite frankly. Uh, today's going to be a loaded show. we got Roddy Jones coming up in about half an hour from the ACC Network. He was at Clemson, Ohio State. That game was awesome. Uh, we yes. will talk about that coming up a little bit later with Roddy and then, of course, afterwards. We've got to talk about the NFL and all the changes that were made uh, yesterday and today, including the Giants firing Pat Shermer. We'll get to that in a little bit. Tristan Jackson is not on the Syracuse football team anymore. We will talk about that coming up uh, in a little bit. You know, Darius, there's so much going on. That might have to be Twitch only. That might have to be yeah. exclusively on Q Sports yeah. Talk today. It was a big weekend uh, in the NFL, obviously, between playoff seating and, and obviously coaches getting fired today, and then obviously the college football playoff was pretty much amazing. And then the Syracuse basketball team starting ACC play, so there is a lot going on, as you said. Yeah, so uh, let's start with Syracuse basketball, because, you know, we didn't do a show Friday, and and I know you guys probably talked about this a a little bit on Monday earlier in the week, but this team had three non-conference games here. They had the, the Oakland game, the North Florida game, the Niagara game. I put the North Florida game in a different category because that team just came in and shot 53 pointers and they did exactly what they wanted to do and that's why the game was close. So I put that in a different category off to the side. However, they didn't look particularly great against Oakland and they didn't look particularly good, especially in the second half, in that game on Saturday against Niagara. And Niagara is the 312th worst team in the co- best team in the country, uh, according to the Ken Palm ratings. They are quite literally one of the 50 worst teams in the nation. Um, and you put up that performance. To me, that raises a lot of questions. Uh, you know, wa- watching what they did, watching who was doing what they did, uh, it, it leaves a lot more questions than answers, I, I think, at this point in the season. And I think a lot of it is the way that, that it happened uh, against Niagara, where the Purple Eagles were kind of dominating in the paint, if you will. They had a lot more points in the paint than Syracuse. 
that's obviously been an issue for Syracuse throughout the entire season. Oakland did that, especially against the Orange as well, where they won the rebound battle. North Florida won the rebound battle. Uh, this was only the sixth time all year that Syracuse actually won the rebound battle against an opponent. Obviously, we know their, their record when they do lose the rebound battle throughout the rest of this year. Oakland was the first time they won a game. North Florida, I think, was the second. So it's it's troubling that against a team like North Florida, or against a team like Niagara, rather, that had no size, really, to speak of. 6'6", I think, was their tallest player, and still they were able to get inside the paint, get easy looks, and get easy buckets that, that kind of make this game closer than it needs to be. And then on the other side of it, Syracuse played very sloppily on offense, where coming off the North Florida game where they played maybe their best offensive performance next to Bucknell and Georgia Tech, where they had 22 assists and you know only four turnovers combined as a team. That's you know unheard of, and Jim Beheim was lauding that, that accomplishment as well. And then they have 16 against Niagara on Saturday. That's just... Not the type of offensive performance you want to see from a team as you get ready for the tougher games on your schedule. Yeah, you mentioned the the points in the paint. Niagara scoring thirty two points in the paint, and and I mean, again with you know nobody bigger than six six, it's it's a problem. You know that that's something that that you cannot have happening. Scoring thirty points and a half against a team like Niagara is again just something that you can't afford to have happen. Um, if you are go if you are going to go and be a successful team now if you're not fine you know if 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 what this team is going to be is hovering right around 500 all year that's fine and and that very well may be what they are uh, but given given the reaction earlier in the year when when somebody suggests oh this team isn't very good or given the reaction earlier in the year when you watch them and say hmm that doesn't look quite like Syracuse basketball, then I don't think that everybody's cool just settling for not very good hovering around 500. So to me, if you're not okay with this team not being very good or hovering around 500, then Saturday has to set off major alarm bells to you. Like I, that, that was my takeaway from Saturday's game, is, is that's got to set off some, some big red flashing lights to you. For me, I think it's... it's, it's... It does. It, it does kind of raise a little, a little eyebrows. You get a little bit of the rock eyebrow looking at, at the team going, huh, you know, interesting, interesting. And I think part of it is, is what I said earlier is that the way that Niagara was able to score their points, where this team, obviously, it, it seems they're going to have no answer for any team that has a big man with any kind of offensive skill at all uh, throughout the rest of this year. And, and, you know, players like Garrison Brooks come to mind from UNC where he's going to have a field day. Uh, inside the paint. Vernon and, Carey at Duke. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just players who are going to be able to kind of do whatever they want down low. And and part of this game, too, maybe makes me think is is if he approaches it like it's a tougher game and he's playing the guys normally, how he plays in their, their 30-plus minutes, you know, the guys like Joe Girard and even Elijah Hughes came out in the first half, maybe they keep a, a semblance of, of rhythm there because they were in total control of the game throughout, of it, throughout the game, even though it got closer than a lot of people wanted it to or expected it to. Um, so I think maybe maybe if he keeps the the gas the foot on the gas pedal maybe the game kind of turns out the way you think but well, at the but, same time you know a lot of those players who are the key on offense still had a lot of those turnovers but too. see it, that gets to a different interesting point with this game that that gets to a very different thing about this that that is really important these three games were supposed to be the games where you got yep. everybody else going these these three games were supposed to be the games where Jesse Edwards and uh, and Quincy Garrier and Howard Washington and Bryson Goodine really looked comfortable and really looked like they were uh you know high level ACC players and I don't know that any of them looked like that in these games now Jesse didn't play on Saturday and I and I feel bad for Jesse in this regard because 
he would have gotten a ton of minutes in that game. He would have played a whole lot. And maybe maybe a light, you know, maybe it really would have all clicked for Jesse had he gotten all of those minutes in Saturday's game. And maybe you look at him going into the ACC play a little bit differently, um, you know, a little bit more confidently had he played in that game and, and done some things that you like. But he didn't get that opportunity because he had turned his ankle. Uh, you know, Howard Washington didn't play in this game, again, because he was hurt. Uh, you know what? Quincy Garrier just wasn't, you know, wasn't good. Wasn't good. Uh, <laughs> Bry- Bryson Goodine, uh, how many layups did he miss? You know, so it's it's really a struggle to to look at this team and and say that the guys that they need um, are going to be in that position because I, I think Jim Beheim said this after the game: the starting five is, you know, for the most part doing what they need to do. Like for the most part, you know, Elijah's been incredible. Uh, I think I think Marek's been really good, yeah. especially the last three weeks. Um, you know, Buddy's been pretty solid. Joe's Joe's been up and down, but overall good. Um, like the starting five, for the most part, is doing what you need. Those next guys aren't, and you are supposed to find that out in these three games. And I don't think we have. You're supposed to find that out really in the conference schedule overall, and and we have not seen that. Bryson looked just as lost as he looked a, a few weeks ago when the last time he played uh, for Syracuse. So that's not encouraging. Um, we coming into the year, we thought that this team was was so deep, and and there's gonna be so many rotations. It's gonna have to really struggle to find minutes. And right now, it's looking like it's gonna be a little closer to a couple of years ago, where where guys like Buddy, Joe, and Elijah are gonna be out there throughout the entire game for most of the most of the time. And Barama and Marek, as long as they stay out of foul trouble, will be out there for a majority of the time as well. It seems like uh, just because Quincy has not been very consistent, has a lot of good showings, uh, obviously, and most recently against North Florida as well. He was kind of the spark that led them to that win. And then he, he did not play very well on, on Saturday against Niagara. So this is uh, a challenging uh, rotation he's going to have to, uh, Coach Beheim's going to have to put forward for the rest of the season where it doesn't look like he's going to be able to get consistent, prominent minutes from some of those bench guys, especially if Howard Washington's knee injury doesn't really heal up. Or no, if that's serious, if, if that you're continue, impro- Yeah, if that continues to be what it is where it looks like it's you know some swelling, he's hoping to get him back into practice this week, as Coach Beheim said. And obviously Jesse Edwards is going to need to be able to put some minutes in there as well. Uh, he's hoping to get him back in practice, is what Coach Bam said as well. And then, and then also the other interesting too, thing too as well, Robert Breswell, he mentioned that potentially they're thinking about redshirting him. Uh, yeah, he's that got, came out of nowhere. He's got chronic knee injuries apparently, and he can't really seem to get his legs under him and 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 uh, get out there consistently. He's, I think he's three for three uh, though on the season. I think is that right? Yeah, uh, from three from, from three point range. I think from Sounds the field. I think right. those are the only shots he's taken. So. Um, at least he's got that, but he may not. Uh, we may we see what they decide in terms of uh, redshirting him or not. He is uh, four for nine from the field. No. All four makes are three pointers. Well, that's nice. <laughs> that's good for him. So well, there you, you get you got that. That was the reason it. he would play is if he can hit the shot. Uh, <laughs> uh, see how many rebounds he can get uh, in future playing time. But yeah, I mean, but that that also just kind of came out of nowhere, right? Like yeah. that that kind of. Um, just kind of happened. Like Jim Beheim just kind of came out and was like, "Oh, right." Like Robert Braswell might be redshirting this year, and and you had to keep an eye on that because he's now played in in I believe seven of the games this year, and he can only play in thirty percent and still maintain that medical redshirt. So you're kind of creeping up on that number because if you um you, you've got thirty one games on your schedule plus one in the ACC tournament, you are guaranteed one. So you've got thirty two games. Uh, you can't bank on an, on an NCAA tournament run. You you probably can't even bank on an NIT run, like right, like run in at this point. So you've got to you've got to be very careful about that and how many games he plays if in fact you are actually going to go redshirt him. 
Yeah, and then he's only playing in, in spot minutes anyway. So you, you figure if he is battling some injuries and, and health issues, why not? You know, give him a year to, to kind of sit back, get out of practice, and kind of literally kick your feet up and, and relax in that sense, and then come back next year hopefully uh, with that maintained and controlled, and then potentially a lot more minutes for him to play as a as an older player in the in the system. Uh, so this is uh, the loss to 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 or the win rather over Niagara is. It's a good win. Obviously, you needed the win. You didn't get the non-conference wins you needed earlier in the schedule against Oklahoma State, the Penn States, and, and Iowa, and Georgetown as well. Uh, but it's it's not. It didn't answer as many questions as I think we all expected to. This this three game run, especially no. overall, uh, it maybe raised more questions about what this team can be. Where um, if they're not getting any kind of push from the bench, how successful can they be? And then I'm, I think I've given up on on hope that they may you know stop somebody inside the paint. Uh, I don't know how many times I'll win the rebounding battle, but just to have some kind of paint defense, uh, that that seems uh, unlikely as well. Yeah, it's it's just not going to happen at this point. Like I, yeah. I think that it's it's safe to say this team is what this team is. It's it, if if you have not seen it by now, you're not going to see it. And to your point, Darius, that last thing you said, I, I think is absolutely correct. Um, these three games where we were thinking, hey, maybe we get some answers after you know that five game stretch that was pretty tough. Um, I think that we're we're with uh, you know ju- just as many questions as you had before. I, I think that you really uh, just kind of left scratching your head with this team because uh, they didn't look particularly good on on any of those you know any of those three games. No, no, that, North Florida. Despite how North Florida shot the ball, really the numbers kind of kept them in that contest. I did like how the offense played overall in that game, especially late down the stretch of being able to pull away. But against Oakland, they had a lot of success with their big man, and <laughs> Coach was not very happy with uh, the execution down low. And, and that was the main thing he was talking about after the game, where they have to get some kind of um, you know defensive presence inside. And then against Niagara, they just turned the ball over so much and, and played really sloppy, and they, they didn't make very good decisions. Maybe they knew they'd win by a comfortable margin, got a little sloppy, and 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 you know tossed the ball around. Um, the one encouraging thing, or one of the encouraging things, obviously, is the way Elijah played, where he nearly had a triple double, did have the five turnovers, but uh, I'm not sure how he didn't get at least a double double. Had seven assists in the first half, but only finished with nine in the game. Uh, but but it was a very uh, efficient game for him, and and. Uh, the kind of performance that you kind of need to see from him as as the season goes on. Barama obviously encouraging as well, but you like to see him do it against guys who are closer to his height, where he's getting ten points and thirteen rebounds. But uh, right, he things should to build do that. on. He should do that against those teams. Yeah, yeah, things to build on, but but not as encouraging as as one would probably hope it would be at this point. No, I I agree with you. And and um, one note because you mentioned it, uh, Elijah has been phenomenal yeah. this year. I mean, just. Incredible this year, and and there's no there's no real good way around it. He's been incredible for this team, and he's been exactly what they need. And, and quite frankly, as good as he's been, they might need a little bit more. Which, yeah, should have had another twenty points, but missed the front end of a free throw. So. Ha- asking a lot to ask him for for a little bit more, but they might need it. Let's take a time out here on the radio side. Uh, we're gonna do a little Giants talk coming up next because I'm a Giants fan and I'm like losing my mind this morning. Couldn't so help me out. We gotta we gotta <laughs> do Countless that. fans are upset with Giants fans. <laughs> we got to do that coming up in a little bit. But if you're watching on Twitch, or if you're not watching on Twitch, go to Q Sports Talk on Twitch. Uh, we're going to talk about Tristan Jackson coming up here in the break. Want to want to figure out what's going on with that, as he declared for the NFL draft last week. So we'll be back on Orange Nation in a moment. We continue on uh, twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk right now. Last thing I'll say before I ask you about the Cowboys for just a moment. Um, I think Matt Rule is the guy. Like I, I think that like you just go and you, you talk to him, and that's it. Like I, th- I think it's that simple. I saw he's already said to his players that yeah, I'm I'm listening to the NFL, which I don't know if that's 
I guess that's a good way to do it. To be upfront with your players is the best way to do it. Obviously, Baylor had a pretty good year overall. Um, and if I were him, I'd want to get away from Baylor as well. So it uh, it would make sense uh, to, to listen to obviously the NFL. And, if, and it looks like he he really turned Baylor into close to what they were you know prior to when you know, RG three was even there uh, in in his long in his short time already at Baylor. So Baylor's only had so many like winning years. Yeah, uh, you know it, it's. Like obviously nobody talks about Art Bryles anymore because of everything that happened at the end there. But uh, like before that, they didn't win football games. Yeah, and like they have with Matt Rule, that says something, I think. Yeah, yeah, he would be. Uh, it's a, it's the encouraging thing where you know guys are getting coaches out of college to sort of reset the team, kind of have a new offensive philosophy. I'm sure he could figure out something to do with Saquon Barkley and have success. Uh, Darius, I'm seeing something come across Twitter that I need to get your thoughts on. However, uh, I'm seeing that we have a Giants call on the line, so let's let's go to Dave in, in Syracuse first, Darius, and then I'll, I'll get to your thoughts. Dave, well, Dave, what's up? Hey guys, so yeah, just real quick on your on your Giants discussion. I, I guess this is what makes sports talk radio great. I couldn't disagree with you guys more. I actually think Gettleman's made some good choices in the draft, and I don't understand your your um, opinions on Daniel Jones. I mean, the kid's just a rookie. I did I thought he did some really good things this year. Obviously, he's got to shore up on the ball protection, but I'd rather have a, a young quarterback that hangs on to it too long. And one that is gun shy and lets it go too early before the uh, the pattern comes out. So I, th- I think he's going to be real good. I like Slayton in the future for a receiver. I think he did some good things as a rookie. And what did Beckham do this year? I mean, he was a zero. I mean, he caught a, he had a thousand receiving yards, Dave. Beckham did. Yeah. I mean, that team was a total colossal collapse. The Browns. And to, uh, I got you know what I. I guess he did, but it, I just haven't heard his name at all. Maybe because they don't win. But, yeah, um, I mean that's possible. I, yeah, um, I just think he he was a you know he was an affecting a member of the team too, and and that's a guy that he's not going to help Cleveland win. As good as talented as he is, he's one of those guys that is going to cause disruption on a team rather than being a leader. And I don't mind getting rid of him if they could have gotten something better in between. But I don't think Gettleman's been. I don't think it's time for Gettleman to go yet. I think he's made some good draft choices and maybe the, the move to, to get rid of Shermer was the right one. Uh, that seemed early too, but as far as Jones goes, I think he's as good as any of those four quarterbacks from the previous year that were taken that were all um, thought to be so fabulous. Yeah, I think that the the draft class the year before looks uh, a lot worse in, in hindsight. You know, Josh Rosen obviously hasn't panned out. Um, I don't think Darnold took the steps forward that you would have hoped. Baker Mayfield took a step back, certainly. Um, you know, obviously Lamar Jackson's fantastic, and I think Josh Allen is is good. Uh, but the the other, and, and Josh Allen probably hasn't even taken the steps forward that you would have hoped he did uh, in year two. But Dave, to your point, you mentioned Daniel Jones and, and Darius Slayton, and I love Darius Slayton, but it's like you had three first-round picks, and I think you missed on on at least two of the three of them. Yeah, obviously, as someone else named Darius, I, I also like Darius Slayton. He's <laughs> doing good things. I do enjoy saying his name in highlights. Uh, I would say, yes, you know, Daniel Jones is just a rookie, just his first year, uh, you know, playing the position in the NFL. You know, he's not he's not over for him after just one single season. Uh, but in terms of what they could have had and, and, and different draft choices and things like that, I think the Giants may have overreached, but maybe they'll, they'll, it'll work out. And Daniel Jones will be just okay and, and be good enough for them down the stretch as, as things develop. But I would think that he would still like to be thrown to Odell Beckham, is what I would think. You don't want okay with the sixth overall pick. Yes. Um, 
This comes from Mike Leslie, Darius, and uh, as a Cowboy fan, I'm sure you're, you're familiar with his work. He works at WFAA in mm. Dallas. He tweets, I'm told the entire Cowboys coaching staff has been fired. The entire staff? That is, I did not see that. I figured it was a Cowboys-related tweet when you mentioned that. Yeah. That is interesting. Um, wow. All right. Well, I guess everybody. I'll have to, I'll have to start Googling a lot of names from from head coach to special teams coordinators to <laughs> yeah, you're, offensive you're line need... coaches. Uh, well, I got to see who's out there. Uh, I, I don't know who who's left from Urban Meyer's staff at Ohio State. I don't know who else, who else he would bring with him. But uh, <laughs> what do you think, Lincoln Riley, uh, Urban? Uh, I would feel better about Lincoln Riley. Would, Jason Witten. I'd, I'd feel better about it. Um, <laughs> did you see that one? I did today? see. Yeah, I saw. Uh, I think on on ESPN's Get Up today they were talking about Jason Witten taking over as head coach. I don't know about that one. Uh, I don't know about that one. Um, that would be quite a, a Jerry Jones esque move. A guy, another, another guy he likes, and that's why Jason Garrett was there for so long. And Jason Garrett is, is you know, is, is a pretty good guy off the off the field, and just as a coach, he didn't reach the team to its potential. Um, but but it, it is interesting that uh, I'm surprised he got rid of everybody. But it, it, I think that always makes sense, though. When you bring in a new head coach, you want him to have people he likes, people he knows. And that way, it kind of puts everyone on the same page. And I assume the Giants will do that as well. Yes. Since they got rid of Pat Shermer, where yeah. everyone will be on the same page, and you start from the same point. And you're not having guys like, oh, well, well last can, year we did this. And, you yeah. can bring guys back, <laughs> but you don't want to make them bring guys back. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah, if, if he comes in, he's like, oh, you know, actually, I like what he from the outside. I liked what he did. Let's meet with him and you know, bring that, that coordinator back. Bring guy, that, yeah. yeah, that that would make sense as well. Yeah, certainly, it's a good point. Uh, let's take a time out here. We'll come back. we got today's business coming up next where we will get to uh, more of the coaching news, coaching carousel around the NFL next here on Orange Nation. Back on Orange Nation, we got uh, about 20 minutes left on the show. And we bring in Tommy Hogan now to uh, get to today's business. Tommy, it's been a while. I, it has I feel like been I a while. I haven't seen you in, like, weeks. I know. I had my own little studio that I kept to myself uh, a couple weeks ago. But now I'm back, and then I'm going to be out again the rest of the week after <laughs> oh, great. this. I Thank took you. a week off going down to New York City for New Year's Eve. Not going with that nonsense in You're Times Square. No. But no. Smart oh. Not going to that nonsense. Just going to go out. I got a bunch of friends down in New York City. So Okay. I don't blame you. There. There's there's nothing yeah. less desirable than me. Yeah, I haven't looked Miserable. at the weather, but I, I don't know why you would want to stand up. Because you got to get out there early. You have to show up at like <laughs> 1 in the hours. afternoon. Yeah. yeah, if not more. You're, you're there for and 12 hours there. to celebrate for 10 seconds. Literally. There's nothing less desirable to me than standing in Times Square on New Year's Eve. There's like nothing I'd rather do less. And you like, can't maybe lose. you meet Jenny McCarthy. Like that's it. No, that's like the highlight. And she's not <laughs> even doing her. She's not even doing her New Year's Eve kiss with oh, the random so. person anymore because she's got a. Because she's married. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> One of the Wahlberg brothers, Donnie. Donnie yeah. Yes. From New Kids on the Block. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I did not know that. You didn't? No. No. Wow. No. Before we get into some more coaching carousel stuff, I just want to bring up a point about Odell. What you you don't like the trade? You don't like what they got back? Fine, they probably didn't get back what they should have. Correct. But it probably wouldn't have been a good situation to have Odell Beckham with a rookie quarterback. He's already be, we, we saw what he's doing with Baker Mayfield, who had a really good rookie year and did struggle with, and he also had a rookie head coach. If he had a second year head coach. With a rookie quarterback, the thing it might it wouldn't have been a good situation. It would have been well, sour, and it probably it wouldn't have helped Daniel Jones out, which is the main focus with that franchise right now. Well, then you hired the wrong head coach. No, I'm saying it's like I think. Like, I think that's as much. It, though I, think, I don't know if yeah, the head coach I, changes. Yeah, I, maybe in terms of the play on the field, if you have a no, better I think, head coach, I think you're doing that's better. As, I think that's. I think that's got as much to do with it 
with anything. I mean, if you if you have well, a head coach who frustration, if you but if you have a, a head coach who can control the locker room and can even even a little bit wrangle his personality to say, hey. Look, we get it. You're frustrated, but we're actually going to throw the ball downfield with this guy where where Eli did Tom it. Tom like, Coughlin hey. didn't even really do it. I mean, look at what he did when he was on Tom Coughlin. And he, he did still, do it. And he still showed some signs on the sideline of, of I mean, some outbursts. Yes, Honestly, there was, like, I don't think that happened until McAdoo took over. Like, yeah, I could there, be wrong. And also, too, they were winning a little more towards the end of Tom Coughlin's tenure than, than they did once McAdoo took over. There was a media circus around Odell Beckham, sure. But I think if you say that we're going to win games and we want to win games— you want to keep as much talent as you can, and Odell Beckham is obviously one of the most talented wide receivers in the league. Right, so. you have to balance winning or kind of babying and protecting your rookie quarterback, who you hope talent to be wins the out friend. usually. Sure, fine, usually, and maybe you should have here. But I'm yeah, just saying, I, maybe that's one of the reasons why. And I think he's even pointed to like he wants to get rid of, the, in terms of Dave Gettleman, he wants to get rid of the cancers, and he called. You can argue if Odell is not a cancer, but I think those outbursts on the sideline, which. I don't think you want that around a rookie quarterback. No, but at the same time, and and this is kind of my feeling on Odell, there are some guys who you make, um, you deal with it for. Yep. I mean, yeah. they, from what I remember, I think most teammates were like, oh, he works hard at practice. Right. Like, they, yeah. they, right. they loved him. Fair. Like, and, and I think that there are just, just some guys. Just competitive spirit on the yeah. sideline. And, okay. and I think that there are some guys that you just have to deal with it because they're that good and they're worth it. And Odell Beckham Jr., in every year in which he played more than 12 games, right? I'm not, I'm not even talking about he played full talent. And um, like I, th- I think that you take the bad with the good. I think that he is that special of a wide receiver. Yeah, I don't remember the year, but I think it was like an ugly Dallas Cowboys Giants game, and the score was like a one score game. Odell got the ball, broke one tackle, yeah. scored from like seventy yards out, and I was so well, upset. And he had the opportunity to do that. He he was a guy who you could throw a five yard slant and it would turn into a seventy yard touchdown, and he did it once this year. But the Browns also didn't really put him in much of a position to do it. But he, you know, he he's that kind of a player. All right, we'll he's get, a game breaker. We'll get off the Giants and move on to more stuff in the NFL regarding the coaching carousel, and we'll go to the Washington Redskins first. They they fired their president Bruce Allen. They fired. Uh, Jay Gruden a couple months ago, and and they've moved on from Bill Callahan as their interim, and it looks like uh, Ron Rivera is going to fill in there. Is that surprising you, Ron Rivera, this guy who seemed to be, if not the top candidate for a head coaching job, one of the top candidates is picking the Washington Redskins out of all these jobs to go to? Does it almost tell you what his market really was? Like an, Interesting. Okay. That, might be, that might be a strange thought, but like to me, Ron Rivera is kind of uninspiring. Um, you know, in, in years that Cam Newton was not the best football player on the face of the planet, like that team was very mediocre. And then the one year that Cam Newton was like yeah. ridiculous, they went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's funny because too, when he was like from the Panthers, the thought was that they wanted to uh, go more new age, more analytical, or, and you know, kind of be more new age offense in that sort of sense. So it's interesting that at one so quickly he's already deciding that Washington may be the choice for him. But uh, yeah, that that's an interesting point that maybe other co- other teams were like, ah, maybe he's a little too old school for us. We we're going to look elsewhere, go the college routes like some other teams have gone. Uh, but but it looks like he might take him over. I myself am a little concerned because he's a pretty good coach, had a pretty good record at, at Carolina, and, and I don't want Washington to, to like, Why not, why not wait on that Cowboys job? I mean, not, it hasn't opened up so. yet, but, but why it, wouldn't you wait for that? But is it maybe not dissimilar from like Mike McCarthy? When you were describing, like, hey, teams might look at him as, as a little more old school or mm. somebody who's been around the block and you're just kind of like, you know what he is. Like Mike McCarthy went and had job interviews last year and didn't get any of them. Like he he interviewed for the Jets job, the Browns job, and apparently just like wasn't impressive. But didn't all signs point to he he was demanding more than 
Maybe. He wasn't impressive. Like He might have been demand. There was a lot of reports that he was demanding to be making uh, football operations decisions as well as being a head coach. That's possible. So I, I, I lean more towards... But it, that's an interesting thought. I, I I just thought the Washington Redskins, who have one of the more dysfunctional front offices in the league with Dan Snyder, and now they've got rid of part of that in Bruce Allen. But still, I thought it interesting... That he is picking this job when he seemed to be one of the top candidate free uh, yeah. head coaching candidates, and I know the Giants. He he had a, a relationship with Dave Gettleman that was sour, so maybe that was crossed off his list. Obviously, the Panthers, which is one of the openings, crossed mm. off his list. So maybe he he had a short list, even though he was a top candidate. It's maybe he just likes to win Haskins, and he's like he likes could what be. he could potentially do there. Exactly. And, we'll move on the to. Future. The Cleveland Browns. They fired Freddie Kitchens after one year. Do you agree? We talked about this a yeah. little bit, Darius. <laughs> Steve didn't think it was going to happen. Really? I, yeah. yeah. Oh, I think no. he leaned more towards it should happen, but he didn't think it was going to happen. No, it had Me to. And Dar- I yeah. agree. Me and Darius were on that side that it had to. Yeah, I think I agree with Steve where, you know, after one year, because uh, actually the Broncos did this before they hired Vic Vangio, they, hired their, they fired their coach after one season. And I don't think that's ideal, but with the Browns, it seems like they just made a bad choice, a bad hire. Yeah. It didn't seem like he had a lot of control over... Uh, and he just didn't make very good football decisions overall. Um, so I'm not surprised that, that that move was made. I actually just looked here and, and looking up Mike McCarthy, I saw that the Ravens are looking to interview Greg Roman and also Mike McCarthy as well. So uh, you mentioned him. He's still back in the, the coaching carousel, potentially getting a good job with the Browns. Yeah, I mean, I, you you have to be a special kind of bad to to get fired after one year. And I, and I do think that Freddie Kitchens was that special kind of bad. Like, Everything was wrong in that in that team. Remember when they? Remember we talked? We definitely talked about this when they had like a fourth and six, and it and they should have gone nine. and they should have gone for it, and then they took the the oh, okay. delay of game because they were like we didn't know what play we wanted to call. I was seeing call. the halfback draw from fourth and oh, nine, well, which was the first well, yeah. in the history say, of the yeah. NFL. <laughs> you know what? That might that might it might be the same one where where it was like it was fourth and four, and they took a delay of game because they were like we didn't know what we wanted to call, and then they came out and called that. I mean, it, it was insane. Yeah, like he he was just in over his head. Last week he went for two down nine. That obviously doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, yeah. not at all. Uh, uh, the Browns. This field Yates tweeted this out, which I thought was interesting. The Browns added Odell Beckham Jr. to the offense this offseason and found a way to throw for 414 fewer passing yards, seven fewer passing touchdowns, and score 24 fewer points than they did in all of last season. Yeah, that is interesting. And it's Baker Baker is a part of that as well. He had a very bad season, but you could say. Freddie Kitchens got the job because right. Baker liked him, and, and then Baker played worse. So uh, not ideal uh, for the Browns and, and for Freddie Kitchens. I said it last week when, when Darius was on that you can't hire a guy by the name of Freddie Kitchens to be your head coach. <laughs> you should have known. That, and this goes into my – I tossed this theory out, my name test. Your name we're, test. Yes, we're going to do closer to the NFL draft. My name – and I think it might work for head coaches. Freddie Kitchens was not Freddie born Kitchens to be an NFL not, head coach or at least a successful NFL head coach. I agree with you. Not no, ideal. I'm, I'm on board with that. I like that one. You got to go by Fred. That's Kitchens. like a, that's like Jim Bob Cooter. Like he can't yeah. like Jim mm, Bob. Jim that's Bob. That's such a good name though. That's an awesome name. <laughs> Jim, awesome name. Would, would it work if he was Jim Fred Bob. Kitchens, not Freddie Kitchens? If he was Fred Ooh, Kitchens, would question. that be better? That's a good question. I don't know. I think it's. I think I have more trouble with the last name than the first. Uh, name. I can't do anything about the last name. No, you're right. But <laughs> I, that's the issue. You. That's the issue. I, I guess. You, you can't do it. Kitchens, is, he was just not born to be. He was right. born to look get, the way he looks. He was not born to be an NFL head coach. We got time, do we have one more? Do we, Bef- we got time I, for not one a team. more. I want to talk. An interesting name. Wink Martindale is a name being floated around. He has come up on our show before for other reasons. But this is serious. I He is being thought to, if he gets hired to be a head coach, 
He will bring on the passing game corner at LSU, Joe I thought that Brady. That's really interesting. I would almost hire Wink Martindale just, just to get that. Joe Brady on your staff. I think Joe Brady's that good. I think he'll be an NFL head coach pretty soon. If you can have him on your staff to go along with a good defense coordinator with the Ravens, the Ravens defense starting to look really good. I think that's a, an interesting name. I've said this before, and, and Darius, we don't have much time, but I'm curious for your thoughts on this at some point. I'm so intrigued that the best offensive minds are not in the NFL. Yeah. Like, the better, the better more Most in, creative. innovative, creative ones are typically in college and high school. And that's really interesting to me. I don't really understand it, um, and I wish we had more time than four seconds. That is a good point. But with that said, we have four seconds. So uh, that does it for us. Matt Park and Brian Higgins are coming up.